esteemed co-host, Mr. Ultra Jacobs, and we're here to do another episode as we recap the final two episodes of The Last Dance. What's going on, Ultra? Not much, man. Um, you know, we're hopefully, hopefully things are going, um, are opening up, and uh, we are not stuck at home for too much longer, but hopefully everyone's staying safe out there and enjoyed the last two episodes of The Last Dance, and now we're just crossing our fingers until basketball comes back. Yeah, there's a collective sigh, I think, by everyone that this was over. It was cool to have appointment television as like a collective group and like to be on Twitter as these aired and have some appointment television. Um, but, yeah, we also got news, I mean, today that the uh, NBA teams are starting to open up facilities and, and get kind of a, a plan in place, the first steps of trying to return. Um, starting in uh, June 1st, it looks like, to opening up, doing some training stuff. So, um, yeah, maybe there is some sense of normalcy will come back from all this, but um, I think we'll all recall how the last dance kind of helped us, uh, at least for the last uh, few weeks here. Um, yeah, I think most people are going to block everything about this out as much as they can. Except uh, Last Dance is going to be, it might be the number one pop culture thing that came out of quarantine. And it was really, yeah, I mean, some of it, and we'll get into this, I think, later, just, like, being, like, in some ways rushed to production and being pieced um, together on the fly to get it um, out sooner than it was originally supposed to. Um just like some general feelings on some of like that and the um you know i guess when we get to it like the responding mid piece to criticism of things i do kind of feel like there is some of that especially in these last two episodes um but let's let's get into it man um so i mean in this you know beginning of episode nine so i mean really a lot of this is focused in on the final season of 98 the eastern conference finals against the pacers but then like a mix of some of the first final series against the jazz um and i think you know just to begin i think it's for me at least just to see uh the positioning of the two nba cities of utah and indiana like have to be the absolute meccas of just the most whitest nba fandom and just like when i think of white in basketball like those are the first two places that come to mind for me oh they're up there uh jazz being number one that's gonna be a tough one to dethrone but you know hoosiers and indiana pacers and indiana basketball i get where you're coming from there minnesota not um not the most or far from uh it's up there as far as whitest fan bases for sure mm-hmm. but um i wouldn't put it in the same category as those two yeah I, I there's a certain kind of white fandom and i think utah's fans definitely exemplify it um i don't think indiana has been as prevalent the last few year, years as much to maybe see some of it but you do see it in this doc with the most uh 
Karen of all Karens, the boss level Karen screaming, um, you know, when they were going through the B-roll and, you know, showing some of the, the sh- fan shots, just wondering how many hard R's might be being said in the direction of the Bulls and just like the kind of crazed screaming white people faces and whatnot. When I close my eyes and I think about Indiana basketball, that's kind of what I do think about, um, so that was not a surprise to see. Um, and really when that was happening, I was like waiting for like, oh, like are they going to have some juicy <laughs> clips in here that are just going to get just thrown all over Twitter? And they sure enough did. Yep. Uh, that did not take long for people to jump all over that. It's just the intensity is the problem. Very intense. A lot of it seems... Uh, like there's some some hatred there that doesn't need to be there. Um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, that's I guess one way you can frame it. Um, that was a great. It was a great way from because they play some of those clips at the very on the onset of those series, and it's a very effective way of you know you're if you're turning into this, you probably know already that the Pulse are winning six out of six championships. It's not like <laughs> oh what there's a Spoilers. question here. But uh, that's a way of getting you to root for the Bulls immediately. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I will also say, you know, just as with the meccas of uh, white fandom, um, I'll also say of just the overall since being a basketball fan and these being the earliest of early days of me watching NBA basketball. And actually, you know, these two episodes are probably the – um, only two, you know, it was, I think there's a lot of people that have, you know, did live through this and, and got experience and relive some of like their own personal, I mean, for, I guess me, this was the only, you know, two episodes where I do remember, you know, where I was, what I was doing, you know, bits and pieces, you know, here or there, like being in kindergarten ish, you know, around then for the last two championships. So like having some memories of these and like, you know, reliving some of those emotions and some of those emotions I have, and they still, you know, felt pretty strong in my mind is how much I could not stand Reggie Miller or Carl Malone. And, um, that those, some of those as basketball players, some of that, those feelings still hold true. And there haven't been, um, many basketball players to come up since then that I can say I've, uh, shared the same disdain for as I do those two, especially in the case of Carl Malone. He may be the greatest of all in that regard. So why do you view him as worse? He's just an asshole. I just think he's just a pudhole. Like, I just did nothing about him that I was ever like. Nothing about Carl Malone did I ever say, that dude's cool. I'd want to be like Carl Malone. There was, I mean, a lot of it too is positioning it up against Michael Jordan, who was just like, I mean, there was just nothing for me to relate to with Carl Malone. And like, nothing about Carl Malone was, and I don't know if he was ever intended to be like, because at the same regard as I say this, it's not like I've had to defend not liking Carl Malone. I don't think there's many big Carl Malone fans out there that are maybe outside the state of Utah. And even that might be questionable. Um, not saying he wasn't like a good player, but it just was, I thought he was a 
a butthole and <laughs> didn't really like him. Like, and I mean, it was easy as like growing up in Chicago and be like, I, I had no it. reason this, to like Carl Malone. You were, you were, you were bred into that. The, the yeah. stolen MVP, the, them challenged the bulls twice. I get it. Yeah. It's just, I, um, but I didn't like I, him. I view, I that. view Reggie as more of a pest. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, I can say that with Reggie Miller, at least, like, him out, once he retired, I, as a personality, I don't think I felt the same way about Reggie Miller as much. Like, Reggie Miller, the player, though, I like, he, that was what he did, though, was invoke those feelings and was very good at it and, like, you know. But there there is, I think, a, a realm of, of possibility where I could see a different version of of you know maybe it's just if it wasn't reggie against the bulls directly a lot like where i could have maybe appreciated reggie miller in in some way like if reggie miller today i feel like i might have be a little bit more open to some of reggie miller's you know just approach and everything with him um, so was it the things that Carl said, or was it the way he played? Or every, just like everything about the dude, I just I never from j- the jump. I just I can say that with supreme confidence. There's just at no point was I ever like Carl Malone. That's a that guy's like a good basketball player, and it's like cool, or just like he, he just sucked. He definitely I mean, was not cool. I'll give you that. Yeah. Wasn't cool, wasn't like, I mean, it just was the big burly monster that the Bulls had to take down. <laughs> like all I can view him as. And um, that is just all it was uh, for me. The other thing that, one of my favorite characters, though, of all time in these, it also doesn't really get much, has a few unflattering shots on him, but just Antoine Carr, um, player on the Jazz, who's just a, a stocky glasses wearing fella uh role player on the jazz um i always just giggled whenever he played um when i was a kid i don't know why but <laughs> i just thought he looked goofy all the time and i remember definitely calling him a nerd even though i had no merits of this and I, but you know at the same time i was in kindergarten so let me let me be but his uh his glasses and just his general look uh made quite an impression <laughs> on me as a child well, I just need to share that here. Back um, to your point about just the this being a very jazz. Well, that too, but you get a lot of it in these two episodes. And when I think about when I think about the Bulls' reign in the '90s, I think about their matchup against the Jazz more so than any yeah. other, anything else. I know that their rivalry with the Pistons prior to and leading up to the first three P yeah. uh, is a huge thing, but it's like, it's actually, it would have been really cool to see them have more of a challenger in the finals to see MJ play a game seven in the finals would have been a really cool thing to see. It's more impressive actually and maybe this is debatable. I don't think so. It's more impressive that he didn't even have he never needed seven games in a finals. Um, yeah. But the the Jazz were just Malone. It was well documented here. 
Malone did not did not uh, show out in the finals, and um, well, the Jazz. Stockton, like I, I want like I left watching these last couple episodes like wanting to go watch more of John Stockton, and like, damn, that guy really didn't seem like he wanted to shoot much. And I know we're seeing highlights and not watching the whole game, but like it just seemed like he was in control all the time. And maybe they could have done something differently. And if he would have been a higher volume scorer. Because he was really efficient over his career, could the Jazz ha- have had a different destiny if well, they played a more modern style and not just thrown to the block to Carl every play? I, maybe I, I mean I, I I think there's like uh, the '98 Jazz, and they like talk about it was I think better. You know, I think their second time around, and I think even with the Pacers like. That Pacers team was really good, and like Jordan saying that will like suck out to me. That like beyond the Bad Boy Pistons, like the that ninety eight Pacers team was the toughest, um, you know, or hard, the greatest challenge he had to overcome, um, you know, playing, and they were really good. Um, and I do like recall though in the moments like the 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 Pacers legitimately did like concern like there was concern that the Bulls were going to lose against them there was something about the Jazz even though the Jazz had beaten them you know in the regular season but there's something just like because the Bulls had conquered that team even though I do think the that Jazz team in 98 was probably better um just overall and, and was a pretty high scoring team for that era but um you know the Bulls defensively did play them pretty well, and matched up really well against them. Um, and like as a kid, and just like rewatching this too. I mean, like the Rodman versus Malone stuff was like as a as a kindergartner, it was the like I never got into wrestling, and we'll touch on the wrestling component of this, but like the Dennis Rodman introduced me to wrestling and then i was kind of you know uninterested in it once he wasn't involved um but like that kind of rivalry between those two within the series and stuff and the back and forth those guys had like i was it was kid cocaine to me of just like how emotions i felt about that and helped spur my just real just hatred of carl malone and a real love for dennis rodman Along yeah, with the are... Dennis Rodman McDonald's Cubs. Those are my favorite. Did you ever have one of those? Do you know what I'm talking I about? No, I don't. So maybe this was only a Chicago. So, and then I'll let you get to So they had a promotion the last season. McDonald's would um, have their like soda cups that would, when you filled them up with water, Dennis, there was a uh, like cartoon face of Dennis Rodman on it, but then his hair would change different colors. Um, That's cool. And, and I think it was like if there was it was a cold, it would change one color. If it was hot, it was a different or whatever. But I do remember like having a few of them because there was a. I think I could be mistaking on this, but there was a few different like colors. I think with his hair um, and the cups. But I, like, remember as a kid, like, 
like during bath time ultra this was a big you know fun thing to do was be to have the dennis rodman mcdonald's cups and get to play with those and then like see his hair change colors and stuff it was a big deal for a kid i mean that's enough that's pretty sick and as a kid like i don't know are you more likely to really like the colorful athletic dude that plays for the bulls yeah it's not it's i mean i'm sure that most kids probably still liked mj more but like definitely we're digging robin over like pippin i mean uh was, pippin was cool though too pippin was and i'm not even that's not even a shot at yeah. it's not meant but you're right no pippin. you're not you're not wrong either like though but like for yeah someone that's under the age of 10 and the guy with the colorful hair and like does all these antics and is like kind of crazy yeah for sure is like gonna be the one that stands out and like is really i i will say i think like that's why i was super relatable for young bulls fans at that time like just young in chicago was just like really an attractive personality and and everything that he was about like he he fit what like a cartoon character would kind of be like if you were making a basketball team and having the that kind of guy like it's for sure Dennis Rodman right um yeah I don't even know where we were going with the I don't jazz. yeah I, I just destroyed your point I'm sorry <laughs> no to talk about no. the McDonald's cups with Dennis Rodman no you're good I asked my only we were more so just digging into like the Reggie Miller versus Carmelone thing the uh, Eastern Conference Finals and the Bulls ending up winning um, and pulling away late in that game. Um, <laughs> yeah, the six-minute comment, if the the jump ball with six minutes left. Oh, it's insane. I, I mean, I can't... I will give I will give Reggie a, a shout out in that, I mean, his game winner in game six was like nuts. I mean, that's like... Him pushing off MJ, which, you know, you're not going to get that call. Like, the Bulls are not going to get that call late in the game. Uh, and him hitting that shot is pretty cold-blooded. But then, you know, ultimately, uh, Bulls pulling away in Game 7. I don't really have anything else to say. Like, it's... Right. That, that, that Pacers team is... Other than Reggie Miller, I know Mark Jackson was on, on there, and they had other, some other good guys, too. But it wasn't like it's not looking back at the team, and it's like that's such a huge what if. And mm. maybe the biggest, I guess, what if part of it is like, I mean, Larry Bird was their coach too, and that was a yeah. very brief stint. Um, the MJ Larry interaction after that series ended was hilarious. Yeah, uh, loved that. Um, MJ just still like just still sticking it to him even though he's been retired for a while oh yeah um it's it's he, pretty cool i mean that indiana team i mean like so antonio antonio davis was like young it was, it was a young antonio davis was good um i mean jalen talked a lot like i, I think like because jalen was nba employee they're like insert he wasn't like a he, he was very much a role player on that team but, like, you know, an effective, like, six-man. But you didn't really see much in, like, the film, you know, stuff of him of, like, being good. Because, I mean, that team, though, had, you know, Chris Mullins was, like, you know, more on the back end. But still was, like, 
you know, Chris Mullins was a top 50 NBA player and like, you know, still a pretty like pretty good shooter at that point. Um, Rick Smith, I mean, like, no, they were like probably eight deep. I think their their top eight. I think you can make an argument we're stronger than like the Bulls' top eight rotation. Um, just from like NBA talent standpoint, like they were they were definitely good. Um, I mean, they make the finals. I mean, they well, they end up losing um, to the the. Um, Spurs in the finals then later um, but like or two years after that I guess I'm sorry um, but like yeah I don't know it's uh, or to the who did Indiana lose they lost to the Lakers I'm sorry Indiana lost to the Lakers because the Knicks made the finals the next year um, I'm rambling now <laughs> eh, you're good um, anyway, but no, like, I, I, the Pacers were good. Like, I, I don't want to, like, fault them on that. And they, that was probably their strongest team, though. I was really what I was trying to get at, too, versus the team of theirs that actually made the NBA Finals in 2000. Um, but, um, you know, within all that series and whatnot, and I think, you know, Really, the the only thing I was going to say was the six-minute comment really stood out to me with a five-point lead. But, you know, as we talked about last week, when you see some of the scores of some of these games, I guess a five-point lead would be a big deal, maybe. It might be the insurmountable lead that we just don't think about in, you know, in reflection of, like, today's basketball. Well, I mean, and not to jump, like, way into the jazz stuff but uh game what was it game four game three or game, game four three. with game three of the 98 series where the bulls end up winning by 40 plus and the jazz end up putting less than 60 points on the board you know obviously every other game in that series they're scoring a little bit higher than that but yeah you're right um the uh, a 10 point lead is if a 10 point lead in the second half is almost insurmountable unless i mean it's still a game of runs like it's not like i'm sure i don't have statistics of how often teams overcame 10 point deficits in the fourth quarter in the 90s my guess is you're seeing that less than today and (laughs) But what an ass kicking! That is one thing that I, I don't even think mm-hmm. I knew that. I definitely, you know, I, I was not watching every Bulls game in the '90s. I was, I was a little guy. Um, but I watched. I remember. I vaguely remember watching some. I do not remember watching. I never remembered that fact that they lost by forty. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I do remember that game just being like, well, there's just, there's no chance the Jazz can beat, like, at any point. But, granted, like, that game six was wildly intense. And I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of arguments to be made that had the Jazz in either final series been able to push the Bulls to a game seven, that, like, I think you could have, you know, made a real argument to for their chances because I I don't think the Bulls in those last two final like were necessarily 
at their strong at their like strongest point, which you can't really. I mean, going on those runs, if you see anything, I mean, with any you know, whether it's the Heat, whether it's the Warriors, even. I mean, teams that do go on these big runs as dynasties like do wither, and it does take a toll on them. You know, at one point or another, you know, when that happens, it's different for each one, but. As it progresses, it's not like there any of these teams necessarily get stronger. The Jazz went twenty one of seventy shooting that game. Vibes. Vibes. <laughs> <laughs> That's tough. Actually Carl Malone, um, eight of eleven from the field, but seven turnovers. Tough look. Twenty six turnovers. Love it. That's rough. Love it. Love it. Um, Do you know what's so- actually really? <laughs> this is so messed up. So uh, one of the more one of the more this is a complete tangent, but one of the more jarring things about looking back at, you know, shout out basketball reference during the uh, last dance of like they know people are just looking directly for jazz and sonics and bulls and like all these teams are referenced in the documentary so they've got that readily available and uh but seeing some of these guys's minutes per game during the course of their career is batshit insane like if looking at carl malone he averaged he played 82 out of 82 games his sixth season in the league and he averaged 40 minutes a night he averaged Jordan, 37 yeah. he averaged 37 minutes a game over his career and yeah i mean like but that, that's just an example i know jordan had insane ones too in this yeah, jordan game, averaged like 38 minutes his last three years of the bulls and played every game didn't miss a single one of them yeah that's insane but in this game where the bulls were ended up winning by 42 points and were up let's see here three after the fourth first quarter they were up 18 at halftime they were up 27 going into the fourth mj still played 32 minutes so bucks that's a bucks game that's just every was every night with the bucks and Giannis. pippen still played 34 minutes Phil. Well, you got to get your shots up. Phil. Take it easy on Pippen. I mean, Giannis back, plays 32 minutes in blowout wins. I get that, but they're typically winning by 20. The Bulls were up 40. <laughs> they won by 40 points. You would make it, yeah, an older Michael Jordan, yeah. Yeah, like you Kobe, could make the argument like Kobe, that Kobe yeah. Kobe Kobe had 62 points against the Mavs and they didn't play him a minute in the fourth quarter. <laughs> mhm. <laughs> what is going yeah. on? Yeah. Anyway, I mean, I, I no, had to throw that out there. That is <sighs> That's interesting. Tough. Yeah. Um Yeah, <laughs> so I guess <laughs> I mean, and I guess you know if there's anything you want to say about the first finals against the I mean, all I can really say is there's, like, so many moments in that first final series against the Jazz that were just, like, I do remember watching, I mean, like, the Steve Kerr shot, um, you know, whether it's a blowout, but there was just, I mean, 
that first series for them just had so many different, you know, the flu game, obviously, which I guess we can talk about right now and then get into, like, Steve Kerr's part because he's really highlighted in this. But, like, the explanation of the flu game in the 97 finals um, and the uh, bad pizza explanation and um, – what did yeah, you think about gotta, that, Ultra? Yeah, we got a hit on that. I, I don't. I. I don't believe it. I don't know what happened. He could have um, had pizza that night, but. Yeah, he could have had pizza that night. Um. That seems. It could have been a bad pizza. It could have been a bad pizza, man. You know, you ever see that pizza look funny? I, I will say if it. Truly was that. I do feel the first real connection with Michael Jordan about getting food poisoning from pizza because that happened to me. Uh, I got it from Papa John's. Jordan can't remember where he got it from, so. <laughs> yeah, I. I don't. Like, why you would lie about it. I don't know. Like, what does he really stand to lose? Well, if it was he slapping? stands to lose a mystique of that he scored forty. You know, whatever he played thirty-eight minutes and scored what was it? Thirty score thirty-eight. Yeah, in a game he had the flu, <laughs> like or food yeah. poisoning. So I mean, like, yeah, you're that's that's true. Um, I guess when it comes to his overall resume, I still view that as a pretty insignificant thing, and the, and I. Not to diminish it, it's still a big deal, but I don't know. I mean, the whole thing seemed very fishy to me. Like, the the it's not even the detail around the fact you order pizza. It's the detail that his, per, like, five people are delivering it, and... <laughs> yeah, the story wasn't told really well in the doc, like, what yeah. was happening. Like, oh, I think something fishy's going around here. Like, well... You know, maybe you should have said something, or maybe you just <laughs> told. You know, it's like two. It's after this game. Uh, it's late at night. Like most of the time, when I'm really hungry late at night, I cave in and I end up eating something. But like, guess Same. what? Every every time you don't eat something and you just go to bed, you wake up feeling better than if you ate something. So maybe just tell your boy MJ, like, hey, MJ, don't eat an entire pizza before you go to bed. <laughs> like, we'll just get a really dope breakfast in the morning, my guy. I don't think you're telling Michael Jordan that, man. I don't think Michael Jordan's taking those kind of answers. Um, maybe from his trainer. Not for me. Yeah. But then again, you know, MJ says, MJ gets what MJ wants, and I want a pizza. MJ yeah, gets exactly. Pizza. I get your point. Anyway, the whole thing the whole thing was fishy. I don't think we were getting the complete no, it was pizza. story. It wasn't fishy. It wasn't. <laughs> Could have had anchovies, we don't know. Yeah. I don't Good count. I I think something weird something is unexplained there. I don't know what it is, but nonetheless, I don't believe in you know, we saw MJ's acting in Space Jam, and while I do really appreciate and love that movie, I'm not saying I don't think MJ is winning an Oscar anytime soon and I do not think there was anything disin like disingenuous about how he felt during the flu game like dude right. looked like he was 
really having a tough time. Yeah. Whatever was going on there. <laughs> Whatever the cause of it was. Uh, and um, it, it was pretty pretty nuts. Uh, it was cool to see that footage again. Yeah, and it's, yeah, just to hear some people, like, everyone describing it or whatever, but, yeah, it is, it, it adds the, the urban legend that is Michael Jordan that still, you know, in some ways or another is contained after this documentary, like, that is at the forefront of it, just the mystique around him. So, um, Ultra. I forget, did I address everything that you asked, though? I can't remember. Yeah, I think so. The flu game was the big one, but I, I don't know if you brought anything else up. No, I wanted to transition before we got into the the '98, you know, finals in that part. Um, some of the other ancillary, you know, of different storylines that they showed. Um, so you know, first being like Steve Kerr is really heavily featured in these last two. Um, and kind of like one of just the notes I just had on it's just like <laughs> one of my notes is just like. Steve Kerr is so damn likable. Like, I don't like. Is Steve Kerr one of like the top like five most likable people in sports? Like, it could be. Um, like every comment he makes and every like, yeah, he was. Uh, you know, even just the whimsical little thing about like his recruitment and being like, you know, I didn't really have many college offers. You know, kind of like I didn't have many. Um, you know. About has about as many college offers that I did girls interested in me in high school. Just... Yeah, he. So I I was actually what was really surprised. I, I loved all of this. Um, was surprised by it because I thought that if we were gonna get that, you know, Kerr MJ similarity with their fathers, I thought that we were gonna see that earlier on. Um, oh really? Yeah, that's I thought fair. so. I, it's not a, it's not even necessarily criticism. It was just but they surprising. weren't teammates. But yeah, no, I was. Um, I I mean, obviously, like knowing about you know, but I had never really put the connection in my head together of like, oh, did was that something that MJ and Steve were able to relate on? Because I just never thought they like were very close. Um, so, and I, I do kind of think that's probably why it didn't come up, but it was interesting, you know, them asking about that and, like, that kind of being a way that they did bring up Steve's father's um, assassination. But, um, yeah, no, you're 100% right, man. Like, that was really did kind of – and I wish, there, <laughs> I wish the answer was different, but, like, just, you know, something for those two guys, you know, in a relatable stance, like, yeah, just kind of crazy, though. Well, but to your point about him being super likable, like, yeah, Steve Kerr's, uh, it's a guy that you just kind of trust. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, I mean, Steve Kerr now a, it just makes feels a ton like... of, it makes a ton of sense why he's become such a good coach in the NBA yeah. is that well, he just relates to them and he's a guy that he, he's just a guy that's not going to let you down. Yeah. I mean, he, he, um, I mean, he also like attributes a lot of that to like seeing how Phil and like Pop, and I think he kind of has a nice blend of like a lot of the traits that people speak highly of of both Greg Popovich and Phil Jackson of like why they were successful and him playing for both of them. I think obviously had a huge impact on him, just as a bass, you know, 
once he, you know, from a front office to even like as a coach, like I think that definitely made a lot of who he was, and he says it himself. Um, I just mean like, yeah, he just seemed like so much of like a, you know, the most likable like dad in this, and like how he talks about some of this stuff. But um, you know, it's just funny because watching him play, like throughout his playing career, though, he always looked like he was about twenty five. I mean, he just like he's got that like very Jason Bateman, just kind of <laughs> you know what I mean, like to him. Jason like, Bateman just, like, can kinda, play him in a movie. Yeah. yeah, right. It's like he's that. However, you want to describe that type of dude, like that's the the kind of category Steve Kerr falls under. No, he was great. Um, devastating about. His de- and I, I, I didn't know all the details behind oh, that. Yeah. Um, I knew some. I knew he was a college professor, but just tragic. Uh, yeah. And I, not at all surprising that he made the comment that wasn't something that him and MJ ever talked about. Fair. I mean, that's not surprising at all. Just really sad. I did. Um. Just the the the. I mean, the part for me that was like kind of it was just him talking about the. You know, hearing the national anthem after his father's, and just the, you know the different meaning of that, and just some of that, like I hadn't really considered. But I mean, the same standpoint. Um, you know, Steve Kerr gets some criticism sometimes of like being outspoken about political issues and just like like expressing his worldviews. But then, like hearing that kind of stuff, I just sort of in my mind, I'm like. If there was a person in sports that might be qualified to speak on certain things like this, and I mean, like that, this is maybe one of the you know five guys you could say that I'm you know just coming from his background and everything about him, and like I I think he's got some merit to speak on some of these issues, <laughs> um, and just you know if he lays his comment, you don't have to agree with it, but I don't think it's like invalid for him to share them all. Like, oh, and just his ability to articulate it too, I think, is you know just a hundred percent credit to his, the upbringing he had. Right. Um, yeah, man, the curse stuff was really cool. I'm I'm glad. Like, I feel conflicted. You know, we get ten episodes of this. You can't just have ten episodes be one hundred percent on Jordan. Um, how they highlighted how they focused on various teammates he had was needed. Um, It came out today and I'm really not surprised. I I just kind of want to spend a minute on this, but like, so obviously there's very little, there's not a ton negative that you saw about Steve Kerr. Um, You see some stuff come out in the documentary around some negativity with Horace Grant. Um, Dennis, you see the good and the bad, but ultimately I think he is viewed in a very positive way coming from this. Oh, yeah. But the Robin to MJ's Batman, Scottie Pippen, um, one thing I really didn't like at the end of this is that it seemed like the the most positive thing that you got from Pippen was MJ saying in the first I don't know if it was the first week it might have been the second week that there is no MJ without Scotty or without Pippen 
and I'm I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Uh, and then it's mostly negative stuff from then on. And I know that it. I know you get some comments from the trainer in episode ten that like he was he was really hurt and that he's like the toughest guy out there and blah blah blah. blah. It was still story after th- like one thing after another after another where Scotty Pippen was. You know, he quit on the Bulls when MJ wasn't there. He's throwing a chair on the court. He has the migraine. He His back's hurting. And I just don't... I don't think that was necessarily... I don't think he was painted in as positive a light as some other teammates of MJ in the stock. And that's kind of shitty. Well, I think... You know, and I don't think you're wrong. Like, I don't know if he necessarily has... I can understand him seeing this and like because yeah basically every one of Scottie Pippen's shortcomings they highlight and they don't really beat around the bush about they like delve into completely and tell you everything you need to know about every time Scottie Pippen wasn't Michael Jordan in this um and I can see you know like where where Michael's faults and Scottie being close to it like they glance over some of it and they don't you know it all kind of ends up in a, a positive spin. Um, and, yeah, that would be frustrating. I think the reactions of all of the Sky Pippen stuff on the outside and, like, how people reacted to it after learning it or, like, learning more about the situations, I think has been more interesting and is, like, probably worse merit of, like, you know, I think that's probably more of the source of maybe where his poor feelings are with some of this is, like, that aspect of it but it's also i mean the the doc is positioning it in a way that for sure lends itself to you know lead people in that direction yeah um and yeah i don't think it's fair because i think it it does sort of take away from some of just like this sheer great i mean he's the yeah number two the greatest basketball player ever second greatest Bulls player of all time and like I don't think by the end of this you I don't know if you walk away from us with as much appreciation for him as you should and I would yeah I agree with that like that I think should be more of a feeling by the end yeah I just I wish there would have been something like obviously the last bit of the doc is focused on MJ and post ring number six and kind of closing things out and that Mm -hmm. should be focused on mj but i mean you get the really cool moment with mj and pippen sitting next to each other and they're just like number six can't believe we did it like they're yeah soaked in champagne and that was like really cool but it would have been it would have i agree with you you didn't leave thinking wow um were those the two best teammates that have ever played in the NBA? And you know, that could be debated, but it's something yeah. that should be recognized. Yeah, I, I think the the appreciation for Scotty could have been improved, despite you know I, I think every bit of the credit that in like way they they point out you know I think he deserved his flowers just as much as MJ did in this, um, and I don't think he necessarily got them as much. 
and I could see that being a disappointment of just like it's this is kind of supposed to be a celebration, but like you know how they positioned it, and like at the time and stuff, and it's like he's kind of positioned as like well he would have been the tough one to budge to convince to come back for one more season and stuff, but it was like you know why the why the hell should Scotty Pippen have to sacrifice any more money or like do you know if they wanted to do it their merits would have been you have to pay Pippen. And then you can sign everyone else to their one-year deals. You know that's like that's the that's the deal. Um, well, and the one thing. So if we just want to go into this piece of it, it was like. Let's a, save it. Let's okay. Let's right. get through a couple of these because I, I I did want to touch on. Um. The um. So the Rodman, I guess really, yeah, where I wanted to move it to was just the 98 finals. Um, and um, so two parts here. Let's, I think to start, let's go with the Rodman. Like, so Rodman leaving in the middle of the 98 finals to go to an NWO match and be on. He took a detour. Yeah. Um, the sheer ridiculousness of it, I do remember it like, I do remember it happening, and I don't remember as at, but I do remember like seeing part of this thing, and like not really being phased by it. Like I remember in the moment, but like in the context now, it is sort of just insane to think about, and it is hilarious and awesome, and like just shout out to Dennis, man. Like <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, it's a, it's incredible. Uh, I just one of those moments that you just really wish Twitter was a thing, and uh, I was just thinking in my head, like, you know what? It's actually not that crazy that he would just go to do, just to, like be part of the show and be in it. Um, the really fucked up thing is that he didn't come back for practice. No. But then thinking about that in my head, I was like, well. You know, he did have the whole bender earlier in that season that he didn't come back from. So it's like you saw that behavior before. But you know what? Um, he he came back. He played. They ended up winning the championship. Costas is just ripping him during the broadcast. It was really yeah. funny. Uh, which, like, hey, uh, probably deserves some criticism. Um, well. He does. I mean, like... I'm I'm not I'm actually not criticizing like if you get done with game two and you want to go be on TV and wrestle have at it bro but like I it's not like you have a commitment to your team to like show up and put the work in at shoot around or practice or film or what you have and not no showing to that I think is messed up um, but at the end of the day they won. Yeah, I mean... We're talking and, about practice. Yeah, I guess, yeah. I think it's that's part of it, and it's, like, too, just the idea, you know, where Phil recognized, you know, what he needed to do, and, yeah. I think, if anything, it speaks to Phil's ability to manage that and, like, know what... how far of a leash to give Dennis and where, like... Just also to Dennis that he was so ridiculous, but then like I mean on the court like playing wise like didn't like have bad games necessarily like it wasn't like he was you know he then had himself his own flu game 
type, you know, just look and everything after doing, you know, one of his ridiculous stunts. Like, he did show up and perform when needed. Right. Um, yeah, just a ridiculous, though, like, kind of thing to occur and just, um, but also kind of awesome. Oh, I loved it. Loved it. Um... So the other thing I wanted to talk about, and this is probably my, so we talked about the the uh, the bat smokes the cigar smoking bat you know practice swinging scene episodes last week. This factoid that got released though this week I have not stopped thinking about um, is the and was now become the clip of jo- Michael Jordan on the team bus. Um, jamming out to some music um, and we get the clip and figuring out that he was listening to some Kenny La- uh, the uh, got a early release of Kenny Lattimore um, and was jamming out to some hardcore R&B um, just blew my mind away and the fact that the guy described as the greatest competitor in the history of sports was getting hyped pregame to NBA playoff games getting psyched up to go just be an absolute killer on the basketball court to R&B music is like some of the cool is like one of the coolest things I've ever heard in my life I mean uh, the look and I think you could do a, a follow-up documentary to this one purely purely based off of the fashion, but specifically on the sunglass choices that are in oh, this documentary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they well, most of these those well. sunglasses were later featured in The Matrix. Sure. That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> a very good point. Um, it, it's, a, it's one of my favorite part of the parts of the 10 episodes is that clip. And man, I just—it's so much more enjoyable watching. Like, it. One of the thoughts that kind of popped in my head was like, you know, we think this is ridiculous that he. Oh, it's crazy that he has these like kind of big, weird-looking headphones to, like wrap around his head, like people used to wear, and and um, carrying a Walkman around. And carrying a Walkman, but what are people gonna think? You know, twenty years from now, when they see people wearing air, air uh, AirPods, it's like people are just gonna have music embedded into their head by that point. Who knows? But it's awesome, dude. Like it's an it's the internet options with that are so funny. Uh, I I love every second of it. I yeah, the internet like all that part, but I just think like the going and I don't know if it, it got to this enough and. I do think there's a certain like kind of just feel of Jordan that he is just a cool fucking he is a cool dude. He's just a smooth like uh, in one way or another like Jordan is just like does kind of instill that like almost like a jazz or like cool R&B dude of just like dude he's just like a fucking smooth guy. I mean granted we make fun of like some of his clothes later in life but like in the moment, man. I mean, he was every bit. Like, I think LeBron, we like sometimes comes off a little like corny. 
there was really nothing Jordan, and I don't know if anyone would have said it at the time, but like, I can't really think of a moment that there was anything Jordan did that I thought was corny. Um, I just always like, damn, that dude's like fucking cool. No, he's I I agree with that take. Right, like it's just like there's something about him. Like I'm trying to think of who modern player would be the closest to be like because I don't think Kobe necessarily came off as cool um like Kevin Garnett in some ways was like cool to me. I was like oh KG is cool um like there's nothing like he might be a little crazy Jordan's a little crazy but like um I'm trying to think who else would be, like, what I'm trying to get out of, like, just, like, that's just so smooth. You know who it is? Clay. It's Clay. Clay is kind of that dude. <laughs> it's, yeah. Clay, it's, no, Clay's too nerdy, bro. Clay's a little nerdier, but Clay is kind of that guy. I, I don't, I, I will stand by this. Clay will. I, I don't, I don't agree with this. You don't agree with it? I mean, Clay's not as good. He's not Michael, but he's kind of the, the thing I'm going for. It's just, like. He's Clay just comfortable in his own cigar. skin. He's just a cool man. Well, I I agree that he's comfortable with his own skin, but I don't view Clay as like the coolest guy. I think most people like you think China Clay is cool. China Clay's no. like the yeah. Well, that's Clay Thompson. Yeah, <laughs> it's China Clay. It's a different person altogether. All right, all right. Well, we'll have to do a separate pod on yeah. debate that. China Clay versus Jordan. <laughs> That'll be next week's pod. Um, so yeah, those are, that was just like my biggest like thing that made the biggest impression on me. Um, so I guess really, you know, ninety eight final. I mean, I think a lot of ninety eight finals just really comes down to game six, the shot, um, you know, everything around it. Um, I do. I mean, I recall you know from that game, it just being like. That night, everything, it was an event, but there was something about that game. I, even though Utah did, like, hold off and force it to be a game six, there was something, like, going into that game that did make it feel like I do, like, do you just kind of remember? And it was, you know, no merit of anything else, but in my mind being like, this is where they do it. This is where it ends. Like, um, but the game itself is, like, from a drama standpoint, you know, Pippen hurting his back early, and it really being a lot of it being on Jordan solely. Um, I will say this: like there was, um, I the distinct memory I really had was like Jordan's real hesitation to pass the ball on that game, and every time he did, it basically being like the 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 assumption or just like kind of the feeling that came from it was like. The guy he passed you shot the ball and did not make it. They were not seeing the ball for a few possessions. <laughs> um, and I remember several moments where Tony Kukoc, who was the second leading scorer in that game, um, was very much open and Jordan just ignoring him because he had missed like a shot previously. Well, I think... MJ and his, uh, I think he knew that he had to slow the game down tremendously with yeah. with Scotty being hurt, and every possession was just about ma- like minimizing the amount of effort that he had to put forth. Um, and at the end of the day, 
I think he just kind of he kind of picked his spots as to when he had to involve others and when he just had to take shit over on his on his own and I don't know it's kind of cool looking back at it um obviously it would have been you you don't want Scotty to be hurt but the last finals game MJ played in he did kind of have to figure shit out on his own yeah and it's it's wild some sports movie shit right there. I mean, what it was was this. It was a kind of sports movie vibe. Agreed, and um, <laughs> I mean we can shit talk Carl Malone all day. That Jazz team is not a bad team. Like they have two Hall of Famers on it. Look at John Stockton. Like I made the comment earlier that like going and looking at some of his highlights is something that I guarantee I'll be doing this in the next week um those two guys were just like two of the more offensively uh efficient duos in nba history and they uh the bulls being down pippin they don't have other than mj they don't like you made the point about them by and large having a, a worse roster than the pacers potentially like de- debatably and if they have a worse roster than them, like the Jazz, Jazz aren't aren't bad. And no, the Jazz thing. were improved from the year before. Um, it is, um, I, I like it's just any like, but I think a lot of people put this in context of like, had the Jazz been able to win that game, like there's a very good chance they win Game Seven. Because if Pippen's hurt, like you know, I don't think Jordan. I think it was literally like how that game ends up being is like Jordan was kind of putting it all out there as like, you know, win this or I don't know if we're going to win. Like, this is my, our best chance to win is tonight where they don't understand that Scotty's really hurt. Right. Nope. You're a hundred percent right. But let's, let's talk about how this ended, dude. Cause yeah. obviously MJ well, I had a shot, which yeah. I agree. I actually agree that like did MJ push off on it well Constance's explanation was was great about it in this well and I agree with it it's like did he push off by definition yeah he did but is it a foul no it wasn't yeah I um no it wasn't it was you know was what it was um I have a couple facts here so one Jordan attempted 52% of all the bull shots in that game um, of game six and just like looking at the stat line he was he had 45 points four steals one assist had a plus two plus minus um sky pippen actually had a plus 16 plus minus in that game it's fucking impressive and kukoc had 15 points uh four assists he had a plus eight yeah jordan of the starting lineup had these besides Luke Long, he was a minus four. Jordan had the second lowest uh, plus minus of the starters uh, in that game. Kind of shows a thing or two about plus minus sometimes in context. But um, yeah, yeah, I um, did. Uh, yeah, the real thing I, in the shot itself is like every picture you see of it, everything. I mean, it is literally. I think I, I and not even that I dislike the Jordan Wizard stuff at all. 
I, the more and more I get to it, it's like the disdain I have for that he came back as a wizard isn't that he did it because he was in in some ways him being on the Wizards was like impressive in and of itself. Just you know different nights and whatever and the age he was at, at that point he was that he was like you know averaging twenty points like fucking it does add to his legacy in one way or another. But the part where it really diminishes is that like that. The game winner, the go-ahead basket in game six, and just everything about it was the most perfect ending anyone could ever written for Michael Jordan to, like, go out that way. And the fact that, like, he came back after that, and that kind of doesn't get to be the resounding last image of Michael Jordan on the basketball court is unfortunate. Agreed. Yep. It would be the same as if, like, Kobe had come back after even, like, his last game. You know, different guys just got, like, their kind of picture. Like, Tim Duncan didn't even get that, you know, necessarily. Like, the fact that Jordan got that and the way he did, it's just, like, it does kind of. That's where I think, like, my biggest kind of, you know, with him coming back to the Wizards is that, like, as a collective basketball community, like, we don't get to just cement that last shot as the final you know moment we had with michael jordan agreed because it's Um, perfect in every which way (laughs) agreed but the guy also should have had a chance to come back for a seventh championship and like you started on this but the one thing that and i who knows how much this was pressed on but reinsdorf he gives the explanation of, you know, it's it's not it would have been insane to sign some of the Bulls core to long term extensions or long term contracts given where they were in their careers. I don't disagree with that. Um But even then, like even if you signed those guys to four year deals and you didn't win another championship and they were just you know, let's say uh, they lost the Eastern Conference semis the year, the next year they lose in the first round the year after that, and they're not a playoff team for two years. Like, is that the worst thing in the world? Because your rebuild didn't exactly yield better results for you. But even saying, okay, you you can't do long term contracts. You want to bring these guys back? Like, the only guy you really need back is MJ. It's like mm. I wish. I'm not saying that they would have won with MJ, but I'm saying could that team have made a run if if Phil would have came back, like they both both Phil and Reinsdorf acknowledged that that was an offer that was made. If Phil comes back and MJ comes back, even if Pippen leaves, even if all these guys leave, I'm not saying they're winning the championship, but like. Phil and MJ are having a run at a seventh straight championship, seventh, seventh overall championship, seventh and nine years, yeah. and that is not something they hit on at all. Is why did MJ walk away? Is it because the offer was not there? Was it because MJ only was going to come back if Phil came back? Was he only going to come back if Scotty came back or a certain core of these guys that were coming back? Like, what was it? And if MJ was going to come back from the Bulls, why didn't he go somewhere else if he was still ready to play in his prime, like he said in episode Whoa, 10? Well, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, he was like, position is that he wasn't going to play for any other new coach. He was only going to play for Phil at that point. Phil was done coaching. It seemed like, I mean, Phil, like, how they positioned at the beginning of the season was like that it was their last run at this whole thing. Of course. So to yeah. then later, like, I think to go through that mindset and then come back, like, well, we could do it again, maybe, and just like, not really working towards that throughout the year of like, you know, I think if it had been more of an open question, you know, at the beginning, but it was every, for whatever reason, and it does, I think the buck stops with Ryan Storff and didn't get enough blame in this is like, you know, if Krause was making those decisions, <laughs> Ryan Storff was the one that could have stopped it. Um, I think it's clear they didn't want to pay them any more and like, they didn't want to invest the money because they basically got to do this dynasty on the cheap. And, like, I mean, granted, there was other things happening around the league at that point, too, where you, know, you do have the lockout season, the introduction to a new salary cap, and, like, just in general, like, could they have financially put the team together, which I thought they would get into more a little bit on that. Like, um,. You know, I don't know if Jordan would have necessarily been able to get his same contract, whatever. Um, you know, but if they could have positioned it for like a one-year deal, I think everyone but Scotty, you know, you could make an argument that's the only thing they should have tried to do. Um, but it does seem odd to just think that like you just kind of that 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 last season was. The last one, it was predetermined by management before even, like, the result of this season. That season, it played out. Um, and, yeah, crowd is just, I mean, like, Reinsler's answer is not very, it's contradicting. It doesn't, it doesn't really give a sound reasoning to it, and it's just like a, you know, it was clearly a guy that wasn't being honest about the real reason. It was trying to, like, spin in a way that, like, sounded like it made sense. But even after, you know, 20-plus years of time to think about it, didn't really have a convincing answer for the logic behind it. Yeah, and I get that. And I, I wasn't expecting to get that clarity, but um, I almost just wish they wouldn't have addressed it at all. Because no, them, yeah. them trying to give you some... Well, it seemed like they were trying to give you some clarity and trying to give you like some insight into where the owner's wow. mind is. And it's like, well, you kind of went half there. Yeah. And it would have been... Just wanted more. Yeah. I, I, well, and I guess I'll say it. I, I will just... I wanted to... I could not not shout this part out of the... Of the 98 game, the game six, my favorite play was not the last shot, but the Jordan Seal and Carl Malone. Um, I've never felt so much joy. It might be one of my favorite basketball plays of all time, besides the LeBron James block um, in the 2016 finals. Um, singular, like, just like freak out moments I had as a watching basketball. I could eat that shit up. I could just have that on like a replay for 24 hours straight and love it every time. <laughs> Cause I remember the moment too, like seeing it happening and like kind of like realizing what was about to happen and just like 
it happening in slow motion as I was watching it as a kid and just being like, I can't believe he just did, like, of just how, and really I thought, like, it was, Carl Malone was so inundated with Dennis Robin by that point in the game and was, like, trying to get the best of Dennis Rodman in that one-on-one matchup that, yeah, he just forgot everyone else existed on the court. And Jordan just was savvy enough to take it from him. But um, to what you were saying, though, Ultra, of, like, kind of that, kind of where the ending falls short with some of, like, the explanation, I think that is where not having Kraus alive and with us to give his explanation, I think, hurts it. Um What's interesting to me is that they gave us our our favorite trick though of the series one more time where they show Jordan uh, Jerry Ryan Surf's you know explanation of it and basically him saying I've you know never got an explanation from him you know this is like the first I'm hearing of this which I don't know how true but it could be it doesn't seem like the most un Jerry Ryan Surf thing I've ever heard um, but like that is wild to me and that's I think where a lot of you know the blame could be had is like that that Jerry Reinsdorf didn't have a situation where he brought Phil and Michael into a room, maybe and you know Scotty as well, and basically like, all right, what's it gonna take if we came back? I need you three to all say you're coming back, and then individually, you know, what are those parameters that we need to do for each of you, kind of a thing. Um. Because I think, you know, it's, given the circumstances, of, I think there's a lot of people today be hard-pressed to accept it. And I think, you know, they got off easy at the time, even though people were upset. It just being such a predetermined thing to start the season that no one really fought it um, because of the end result being a championship and whatnot. But um, it does make something, you know looking at it all just like a lot of man regret that you wish people that were in charge of that time handled things differently yeah obviously having um jerry Krause being able to weigh in on this would have been really cool um would have been a voice that i I think jerry Krause would have spoke to it much better than Ryan Sorb. like at least his thought. I think process. he would have tried. He would have tried to defend himself. Um, yeah, but I think he would have come fair. at it from like a, you know, it wasn't you know shoot like we just couldn't pin it. You know, oh, I was because Ryan Sorb very much so positions it as like God, it was out of my control. You know, it was just these were these were the facts. This is what happened. You know. <laughs> no, we we would have gotten more detail, which would have been very very much so needed and yeah. would fill in some gaps. Um, but at the end of the day. Uh, this was a, like you don't get clarity on that we don't see MJ with the Wizards which great didn't need it didn't need to see how yeah. and why coming out of retirement part 2 need to happen this was the last dance and the last dance was how it was going to end and um, I don't know man it was I, I've seen some criticism I think, by and large, people were really happy this was out and enjoyed it. I think when people just look at the documentary objectively and at the 10 episodes, I've seen some criticism of it. Um, do I think it was perfect by any stretch? No. Was there some bias in there? Yes. MJ signed off on all of this. He wasn't going to put a bunch of shit into it. 
that was just like a hundred percent like some more honest like critical stuff of him and there there are criticisms of him in this uh, i'm guessing we pro there's probably more um and uh but all in all super entertaining yeah seeing mj's commentary and reactions to things today about things that happened then or other people's commentary on what happened was worth the 10 hours of tv and i am i'm coming away at this thinking like i probably will watch these episodes again and i really liked it yeah i think my base like what we ended up getting i think when i first heard about this when it was first like started advertising and throwing you know beginning the promotion behind it you know almost a year and a half ago a year ago or so um the, what we ended up getting was kind of at the time I think what I if you had told me this way I got back yeah that makes sense not surprising am I gonna enjoy it yeah is it everything I probably want no you know et cetera et cetera but I think you know getting into it then it coming sooner than it was and, and sort of like the idea of it being brought forward um I was hoping, you know, and I think a lot of the comments around it before it came out, my expectations did kind of increase of like, oh, they might be really taking this, you know, to a place that maybe I did not, you know, think at the time they would have. But no, I ended up kind of, you know, staying within a lane that I thought, you know, especially with Michael Jordan's involvement, like you had said, like that makes sense and isn't surprising. Um, and I think this is just my general feeling on any piece of art, any piece of work at this moment where it's like, especially with the social media component of it, like, I just don't like the idea of these things. And I did kind of get a sense in these last two, whether that's it or not, I have no idea. Um, and maybe it's just us reacting and this is the plan at all, but like just because of knowing that they were editing this kind of at the tail end and it wasn't a finished piece of work when they released it because of having to rush it to give it to us sooner because we're all a bunch of crazed content hogs that just need our troughs filled with stuff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the situation and everything, it's like I did wonder how much of, like, th things were changed or things were added in just to, like, kind of change the story based on the live feedback they were getting from episode to episode because the tone to me of it i felt changed about you know i felt like seven eight nine and ten had a very different tone than the first six uh, I, I would agree with that and it felt very much so of like this kind of yeah like kind of a lot of information a lot of different things but like about the whole team but it it really felt like it got narrowed focused in on jordan at the end and really positioning him as this flawed but like you know unblemished great you know player but um you know there's just a lot of things about him i think that they could have and like i said with the side you know the faults of him are the faults of him. I don't think it's going to change how people perceive him at this point, but it's like I would have liked to have heard more and explore that, you know, with him more. Um, 
But, like, you know, you don't really get much about him as a family, you know, his family, you know, then, his current family either. It's just, like, a lot of that is left out, and it's just kind of a guy that has been vastly private his entire, you know, life. Especially, you know, once he left basketball, he's been, you know, pretty private, never really showing much about his personal life ever. Um, and even opening, I think, to the degree he did, I think, is all we can really ask and expect of like this guy because just you know who he is but um i think that was really the one piece of it that i had more of the criticism was the, i think the sky pippen stuff you alluded to bothered me um but i just this sense of like wondering like was some of this tweaked as they're getting crowdsourced feedback from you know twitter and whatever of like things and they're trying to and the la the, the back half of it position it to make sure that people didn't walk away with those um impressions that they did not intend at the beginning of it but because they were getting these reactions being like, Oh, we gotta curb this a little. Um like, oh we're being a little too hard on Krauss and he passed away. We need to like at the end have Scotty tell say he's like, you know, probably the greatest GM ever. We gotta add that in there to show we're not as being harsh on a dead guy as we being perceived on Twitter, like that kind of stuff. It just kind of stuck in my mind and, you know, I, I don't have anything to merit based on that, but, um, overall it was a great, yeah. Last couple of weeks to experience this, um, and talk about it and, um, at least get us through a, a month or so of, of this kind of unreal time we're in. And hopefully we're, hopefully we're a month and a half away from, game starting again and hopefully there's positive news coming out next week and we'll have something to talk about soon yeah that's yeah we gotta we'll figure out what our next thing is um overall but yeah i'd say you know this compared to the last season of game of thrones probably last major appointment television thing as a culture like had this definitely delivered better than that so shout that out to that is for sure um well man i guess yeah got any last thoughts here anything on the last dance um before we close things out uh i can't believe paul pierce didn't include lebron in his top five best players of all time today that really pissed me I'm off not surprised. but I'm also surprised. not surprised either um shout out to top five list they're hilarious yeah they're yeah um but no, uh, MJ, I'm just, it was really good. That's that. I'll leave it at that. I, I, I will defend this doc. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to end it by saying that, um, you know, to let everyone know that when the White Sox won the World Series in 2005, Jerry Reinsdorf. Um, said at that time that that one World Series meant more to him than all six of the Bulls championships. That's dumb. But the White Sox team is my favorite White sports team of all time. So I get it, Jerry Ryan. So it's not a ridiculous thing to say. It's a ridiculous thing to say. Had I been born a little sooner than I was, I don't know if I would have that same feeling. Um... But in my current, I'd say that, that was for sure. That is my favorite sports team of all time. Um, 
and that's fine. But yeah, had I lived through and been, you know, have solid recollections of all these these Bulls teams and all of this, I don't think I would say that. So the fact that Jerry Reinsdorf said that, um, yes, it is in some ways still ridiculous, but. I myself can't really find myself criticizing that completely since I too feel that way. <laughs> Fair enough, dude. There's your there's your three minutes on the White Sox at an hour twenty. Hey man, you know what? It's May. I should be talking your, about the White Sox. Your, your podcast, your rules. I should be able to do some White Sox if we were in normal times. We'd be through a month and a half of baseball already, but we're not, so Got to give me a little bit something, man. Um, but, hey, you know what? If you haven't, maybe recorded it. I don't know what they're doing. But, you know, if you aren't f- completely done with Chicago Bulls, definitely check out that uh, Game 6, like, movie thing they did to on Wednesday night. Um, you know, just seeing some of it, some cool footage, like, just different shots of that game, you know, being in high definition, just kind of seeing that game in a different way than – probably have in the past and even you know anything that you've seen from in the past um ways just gives us a different look um so definitely check that out but until until next time folks we appreciate you sticking with us listening to all these um and we'll catch you all here um you know soon with a another episode about something i don't know maybe we'll have some basketball updates we'll have something to go through Maybe Kendrick Perkins or Paul Pierce will have um, said another ridiculous thing on ESPN to get people talking. Or maybe someone else will come out. Um, the pizza guy that delivered the Jordan's pizza, I've only had some comments too, of uh, the guy that delivered the, the poison pizza. Um, who knows what will come up in the next week or so, but we will be back soon with another episode. We appreciate the listens. And until then... Uh, go Bulls!